Welcome to Tall, Dark, and Fictional, a podcast about romance fiction by romance writers. I'm Kat Wynn, and today I have a return, return, return guest. Welcome to the podcast, Ellie Mae McGregor. Ellie, how are you? Hello. Well, I'm great because I feel popular and cool. (laughs) I feel like officially a cool kid because I've been invited back three times. Um, If you have another three-time guest, just let me know who they are and I'll fight them. <laughs> I'll fight them for the fourth time. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm great. I'm I'm happy to be here. You know, it's life. So I'm like 50% good, 50% um surviving, which is like, you know, a pretty good ratio for a Saturday morning. Oh, yes. So we are recording this on a Saturday morning. Um, Ellie May was kind enough to last minute agree to do a recording with me. But SJ will be back for other episodes, but we're lucky enough to have Ellie May here with us today. So thank you for joining us and gracing us with your presence. Of course. I I said this to someone the other day um, at my day job. We had this like fair and started to talk all day. And and my coworker was like, oh my gosh, I hate this. Like I hate like just hearing myself talk all the time. And I was like, oh, I love it. And I think he like thought I was kidding. And I was like, no, no, no. Like (laughs) like I actually mean it. I think I have a lot of great things to say. Okay. If that is not a symbol and a sign of a person who is destined for great things, I truly believe it. (laughs) I truly believe it because I too am one of these people. <laughs> I have no, no great things, but I just believe it. I believe that it's going to happen. Like I too love to hear myself talk. I think I think that more people feel that way, but they're just too shy and ashamed. We have this like humble culture and you know what? Like you're allowed to like to hear yourself talk. Why do you think podcasts exist? Like, Honestly, this it's, is true. It's just for like... <laughs> weird people to listen to their own feedback and uh, and okay it's either I do this on a recording with other people or I do this by myself in my car because I'm gonna do it either way <laughs> it's happening either way right so I'm like I might as well make something out of this and that is another that's advice I have for like writers in general is like whatever you naturally kind of do just do it and give it to other people you know what I mean if you're already discussing like pop culture you know real housewives whatever thing like that you think is silly and that doesn't matter if you're doing that no share it with people it does matter because here I am on this podcast that I've been doing for a year and a half now and here Ellie May is too yes no I love that I think that that's totally true I think that you know, I was like, jo- you know, joking about like humble culture, but I do think that there is something that's like something about it being like too, like it's too selfish or too much of an ego thing to like share your work and to think that your work could be good enough to share with other people. And I feel like that's such bullshit because it's like, I don't know, you know, like the fanfic world is huge and it's like people aren't getting paid for that. I mean, sometimes, but for the most part, it's like people writing and just sharing it with people and then people reading it and loving it and it creates a community. And it's like, if you have something you love, just do it. You know, who cares if it's two other people who love Real Housewives listening, you know, from their car, like that's your people. Also, probably it's like, I don't know. I feel like everyone watches Real Housewives but me. So probably that's actually a really great, I'm sure there's thriving Real Housewives podcasts. There are. I've listened to many of them and considered making my own. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. See, you should. I mean, you know, you're saying humble culture, but I'm kind of like thinking and dissecting that as you're talking. I haven't considered this before, but I think a lot of the reasons people don't share their creativity is one because they're cut off to to it because, you know, we live in a world that doesn't value that. And if you can't monetize it, it's not worth anything. But even more than that, most people don't have access to it. They just they don't have the time. They don't have like they weren't given the emotional bandwidth with to do it. Um, But the other thing is like, 
vulnerability is really looked down upon. And to get on here and act a fool is so vulnerable and and to make mistakes publicly and to say things that aren't, you know, maybe like this is not NPR. We're just like off the cuff, right? I'm not like fully baked out with a bunch of notes. Like I could make, I could say something that isn't a completed thought. And in fact, that is one of my bad habits of starting a (laughs) sentence and not finishing it (laughs) when I'm talking. Yeah. No, that's totally true. Yeah. But like vulnerability is what makes us human. It's what makes communities thrive. It's what makes good art. And so and so, yeah. And also like, don't be fake humble. Like, oh, I don't people don't want to hear me. People don't want to whatever. Who cares? Sure, they do. I want to hear people, don't you? Why else are we here? Yeah. Oh, I totally do. You know, I think it's like, like it's a, it just makes me think of like the Spotify wrapped and it's like, no one wants to hear your Spotify wrapped. And it's like, I do. I want to know what you're listening to. Like, I think it's interesting. Okay. That's very pure that you want to hear people's Spotify wrapped. I won't go that <laughs> far. I people's Spotify wrapped. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I won't cross that line, but I love that for you. I thought it's not, this is unrelated, but for some reason I'm thinking about it. It has nothing to do with writing or anything, but it kind of does actually. So um, on TikTok, I just happened to scroll by this video of a native woman and she didn't, I don't know what her tribe was, but um, she was talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. you know, the bottom of the triangle, which she called a teepee, which I was like, I love that. Um, but I'll say triangle, obviously. So the bottom is like, are you getting your like shelter and food and water needs Mm -hmm. met. That's the first thing you have to do before you can reach like self-actualization. And she was like, you know, in my culture, there is no such thing as an orphan because if your parents die, the family, your family will take care of you. The Mm tribe, like the tribe will take care of you. She's like, there's no such thing as not having a place to live or not having enough to eat because we all take care of each other. So the community itself Mm self-actualizes and then they have time to, you know, be parents or like raise their children, have a family like do be connected to the world around them and we are purposely not allowed to have that and so we're just like stunted and here we are making podcasts just trying to like connect back with who that is like whoever that person would be if we could actually be safe and secure and self-actualized I mean that's a whole that's a whole podcast um you know just about how intentional everything is in regards to like you know our access to creativity our access to creation outside of monetization outside of not even monetization, but it's like, I write a book and who is it about in regards to making money? Is it about me or is it about you CEOs of publishing companies who, if you're listening to this, buy my book. You know? <laughs> but, but if you listen to this, I am totally available. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally cool. Keep making your money. Don't worry about it. But, um, but you know, yeah, it's, it's true. Um, and so, you know, I think that creation itself like is a rebellious act like it is it is something that's really it's meaningful and even if it's silly like I feel like honestly 100% of the art I currently have in the world is silly and ridiculous and it's like who cares like that's like I think that in itself like just creating something that's joyful and it doesn't have to be a Pulitzer Prize winning piece of art to matter and maybe it is Pulitzer Prize worthy but it'll just maybe. won't be way, and that's unfair but it, but that's why you should make your stuff and you just called what you made like silly art whatever but like also a huge deal and like important to many people and like fun and, and again and yes, bringing joy into the world. And I love a little bit of fun. That's my whole yes. That's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> I'm only looking for good times because I cry a lot. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> you got to balance it out. Yeah, that's that's truly me. It's like the deep dark hole inside of me is just like you must only seek happiness and good times, and then therefore here we are, ergo to romance. Yes, yes. That's why we're here. So Ellie Mae was actually kind enough to write down some very interesting author questions, author writing questions. And I, I said to you, this is the most work anybody's ever done for this podcast. <laughs> well, first of all, obviously, I couldn't pass up in a chance to interview the wonderful future Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winning. I feel like I'm saying that word wrong. I, I think it's, like it's Pulitzer. 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 I think it's Pulitzer. Yeah. But I've said it wrong many times. That's how you can tell I'll never get one because I don't actually know how to say it. Um, But but you could and might. So I was like, obviously need to interview you before before anyone else gets a chance to. Um, (laughs) But also I am constantly in fear of not doing enough work and seeming unprepared. And so... (laughs) I was like, would you like me on your podcast? Yes. Okay. Let me come up with some questions. It was, it was honestly very kind and I appreciate okay. it. And I will say like, we'll both be answering the questions. I don't, I think yeah. that, yeah, but you can start. Do you want to start? Should we start? Sure. There? So I guess this is a, this is a good first question. What was the impetus to you starting writing whenever that was? Oh God. Okay. And also I want to say listeners, you answer these questions for yourself too, because these are really good self-reflection questions that think of. Also, these are good questions to have answers for when you are someday a famous writer. Just saying. Yeah, for when you win that Pulitzer, Pulitzer, (laughs) and you know how to say it. Have these in the barrel. Okay. Um, the impetus for me being a writer, I was born a writer. Is that an okay answer to say? Because I absolutely was. It it runs yeah. in my family. Nobody's famous. I mean, I have like a like relative who is um like a pretty big journalist, but nobody's like Ooh. nobody's like famous writer. Like my grandfather, who I think I get it all from, was he ha- he also has published a book, but it was like a historical book. It wasn't fiction. But this the lore goes that he um, wrote a book and like typed it on typewriter just to give you some like this is who my this is who my grandfather is just to give you like some background on him a six foot four Jewish man from the south side of Chicago okay that's yeah that's who this man is right grouchy as you can imagine like all the things you imagine he is that's what he is right was is who cares anyway so he wrote this big long like book and then one of his kids threw it in the fireplace <gasps> Oh my gosh. And he never wrote another novel again after that. (gasps) That is the lore about it. I I never like verified this with him because another fun thing about my grandfather was when my grandmother got really sick, she was put into a nursing home and so they didn't live together anymore. When he was like 80, right? He started dating a 60-year-old woman who looked exactly like her and basically like started a new family with her. Like, and she was like Catholic. She was Catholic, right? He would like go to her Christmases. He would, (gasps) yeah, a Jew man too like just going to her Christmases with her kids to ask me if I ever saw that man once when I was growing up never anyway wow wow dirty yes I wonder if he just like never got over the book thing (laughs) I love that you're like that (laughs) was was so traumatic he was like I actually need to not associate with any of these people ever again look look, knowing writers yes yeah like it like I mean you know I 
I am like an obsessive saver like that. That would be pretty dramatic. Um, But also, wow. So that man, I believe, is where I get it all from. And uh, when I was 11, I've told this story before. So sorry, people have heard it. He randomly sent a box of used books to my house and just randomly. And I was like, holy shit, like, what is this? And I went through all the books and I found Margaret Atwood's Robert Bride, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And I found uh, Whitney, My Love by Judith McNaught, which is my first romance novel. And I was life changed after that. So that's amazing. I know. So he really was the reason. And he's obviously a terrible person. (laughs) It's funny. I feel like you always like, I like for me, I always think like, wow, my family's so fucked up. And then you hear about someone else's family and you're like, oh, is this normal? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we all have this. (laughs) Yeah. Is this, is this actually what family is like? So, so, um, do you remember like the first story you, you wrote or is it just like, since you were a kid, like you were just always, Oh my God, NPR here. No, I do remember. Um, so I was always writing like from a very young age, I had like notebooks and notebooks filled with journals and it was just like, I would like table of contents on them. I would, (gasps) Oh my God, I'm obsessed with it. I know it was wild. And I also had like weird obsessions with things that I would like write down and track and like, I would obviously speaks a lot to my brain, but, um, the first story I ever wrote was called Follow That Car. I was six years old, finished it. It was a 50 page handwritten in a notebook. Oh my God. History. Most I ever had written for like 20, 30 years after that. But um, it was about this, it was about two dogs named Jack and Nick who had a detective agency and they had to find out a murder. And all I remember was there was like something about like the murder was, it was like a twin deal. It was like two dogs that were twins. And then there was oh, like a paw print investigation it. thing. I don't remember the rest. But that was that was it. That's incredible. I mean, there was like a time in pop culture where twins were huge. So that that sort of, <laughs> that sort of tracks. Listen, twins have never not been huge in murder mysteries. They are convenient. In fact, the glass onion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Cooler. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. No, you're yeah. totally right. Let me let me put the question back on you. What was the impetus for you? Yeah. Writing? Um, so I'm like very much the opposite. Um, I would occasionally like start a story, but I would get maybe like 500 words in and be like, anyways, I don't know. Um, yeah, I say was not, was not a writer. I was a big doodler. So I feel like if I started a story, it would end up with like palm trees and suns with sunglasses on it. The, so, uh, the, the naughty list, which is my Christmas novella was like the first thing I finished or even started since like a high school writing assignment. Like I, which is wild because like I enrolled in, like I took, I took a poetry creative writing course in college, which I was so bad at looking back was like actually really embarrassing. We had to do like table reads. It was really cringe. It was really bad. Um, But you know, Hey, uh, put yourself out there, whatever. I think that what happened to me, and I think this, my impression is this happens to a lot of people in the romance community and like I definitely heard a lot of stories like yours where it's just like I've always been a writer yeah so the the naughty list was the first um sort of thing I wrote uh not even just as an adult but like as a person outside of school yeah and I think that what happened was I mean so so a friend of mine was the person that gave me um the idea for the naughty list, but I think that I had been sort of waiting to write something. And my perception is that in in the romance community, it's sort of split. Like there are people like you, Kat, who sort of grow up writing or like writing, you know, 500 or 50, 50 page journal stories and all of that. Um, and then there are people who don't do that growing up like me um, and who I think 
the romance community is is one of those communities where like writers and and readers the Venn diagram is is so much more like a circle and I think it's a genre that feels really accessible for people to write it's a it's such a small world um even before I wrote anything just having a bookstagram where I shared my thoughts on books Authors would, you know, comment on my posts or respond to my DMs. Um, you know, I mean, DM respectfully, <laughs> but still do it. <laughs> but, but all those things, you know, like, like it feels right. But it, but it feels all of a sudden, it felt like real people wrote, not just like Stephen King. Um, and I think that. I just started to feel like, oh, I could tell a story too. And I think that's also the nice thing about genre fiction is that, you know, people think poo-poo on the fact that it's like, you know, there's a formula, it's formulaic and you know the ending and blah, blah, blah. But it's also like, well, if that's true and I deeply understand the formula, then I can join the conversation. I can have a seat at the table. And it's, I think that, you know, after you read 200 romances, <laughs> you're like an expert on romances, you know, like, you know, just as much as anybody else. Um, and I think that's what happened to me. And so I think that, you know, I don't know if if it were not for COVID, I don't know that I would have written anything. Like, I don't know that I would have published anything because I don't know that I would have been reading at the rate mm-hmm. that I needed to have um, been reading. So anyways, that's that's, I guess, the the impetus of my writing. And, and I always, growing up, I think I always felt like a storyteller. Like I would always have ideas, but I don't think I felt like I could be a writer. Why not? Ooh, I think I'm a really bad speller. That's stupid. <laughs> Little things can be big obstacles. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, growing up, like in high school, I was still in this era where we had to handwrite mm-hmm. everything. You know, I had a computer, but it was in the basement. It was not hooked up to anything. And the only thing I used it for was typing my name and then seeing all the different fonts. I love that. I love that. That's... But I would never write a story on it. And so I felt like I had to handwrite them. And I just didn't know how to spell. And so I hated handwriting things. And I feel like it's so stupid. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Now it's like spell check is there and I don't have to feel like an idiot all the time. Spell check has been such a great tool for people. Um, yeah. Know, like it really helps people. That could be one of the things that really helps people overcome their blockages. I will have to say it is funny because I'm the opposite. I And I don't know why I'm this way, but I learned I knew how to spell everything immediately. Immediately. Like I was a spelling bee, just like champ. No, the only I would purposely wow. lose spelling bees because I didn't like the performative aspect of it, you know, because it made me so like to have to stand up. I was like anxious about that. Oh, yeah. You know, and oh, absolutely. now I'd be fine. But at the time I was like, I don't like people telling me to perform for them. Like I do not. Yeah. No, but but it's funny how like something. Yeah. Just thinking about how like that could really stop a person is if they couldn't spell that would really stop. Yeah. You. And I think we over overlook the small things but what were there like any emotional attributes to to stopping you was it like did you with their self-esteem things I feel like that's always something imposter yeah. syndrome you know <laughs> um I think that I mean I think my ADHD which was undiagnosed yeah. at the time um was a big thing because I felt like I wasn't a finisher that's something I I grew up thinking Same. yeah Same. I was like I can't start anything because I'm not gonna finish it and that's like classic me I could never write a book because I would never finish it and actually the naughty list was one of the first things I ever finished and you know so now I'm I'm attempting to write my first novel and that's a whole other thing you know like it is it is such a different beast um and so I think finishing my first novel will also feel like okay I can also do this 
But but right now, um, you know, even just having finished novellas or short stories, it's like that's a completed thing. And that doesn't have to be the narrative around myself. Um, yeah. And I'm in therapy now. That. So we're, we're working same, on it. Same. I, I, too, had that. And I think a lot of people have that thought about themselves. I also have this yeah. other thought where I was talking to my best friend about this. And she is a fucking successful person. I mean, she owns an art installation company in San Francisco. It has like 35 Ugh. employees. She owns property in San, in Oakland. <laughs> but still, yeah. uh, you know, she has like two little poodles, precious, right? Like she has got a very successful life. And we were talking on the phone and I was like, God, I am such a loser. And she was like, me fucking too. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? Um, and this is how we talk to each other, right? Like I'm a loser. She's a loser. I was like, where are we getting this inner monologue from? And then I was yeah. like, well, it's obviously from our parents. She's like, yeah, no, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> like our parents gave yeah. us these thoughts because they got them for who knows what, whatever. Right. So every time you say something about yourself, like, oh, that's just, oh God, I can't believe I'm like this. I'm always like this. Why am I always this way? That is not you talking. That is your parents yeah. talking right there because they are worried for something or they're afraid of something. That is fear that you are inheriting. Um, and it takes yeah. it takes a lot to like stop the motion of that thought. Yeah, it's worth absolutely. It. I think that that's something that like, yeah, just recognizing that that voice isn't the truth like that's not the truth speaker in your brain it's like actually the opposite of that like that is someone sabotaging you that isn't you um and I think that's something that I'm still working on unpacking you know in a lot of different ways um but I think recognizing that is so helpful and that's the thing too like, like the fact that your friend who is, you know, as some, for me, like my biggest anxiety is financial anxiety. I am like obsessed. You know, I grew up in a household that was, you know, uh, below and or like at the poverty line. And it just like, I'm, and I think like as an adult, I think I'm also, I'm also a Capricorn, but <laughs> really <laughs> so, like chicken or the egg, but I'm like obsessed with money because, you know, um, Trauma. Financial trauma will um, do that. Yeah. Um, but so to me, hearing your friend who like can own property in the Bay Area and have 35 employees, like saying that they're like a mm -hmm. loser, I'm like, oh my God, that's like the dream. Like being that financially <laughs> right? stable is like, oh my God, my wet dream, actually. <laughs> but it's but that's the thing is, is like I think that there is no point like when you're dealing with that voice, there is no point in your life where you're like, oh, I'm great. I'm successful. I'm doing well. It's and I think that that's so helpful to remember because it's like there isn't a point you reach where you're all of a sudden feel worthy. You just have to decide that you are. Like you just have to decide where you're at is good enough because five, 10 years down the line, you will be your own wildest dreams. And if you haven't done the mental work, you'll still be like, well, Colleen Hoover, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the Bible. Like, someone else. <laughs> Right. Someone else has a miniseries and I don't have a miniseries yet. <laughs> it's true and it's frustrating. And I think that like the inner work is uh, a battle a little bit. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't yeah. phrase it that way. I say battle, but I actually think that's wrong. It's a gentle conversation that you need to always oh, have I with yourself. That. I know I, I honestly don't like to adopt like violent language when I don't have to. You know what I mean? When I'm talking about myself, yeah. when I'm talking about like, doing things with myself. When people are like, be more disciplined, work harder, get up earlier, work out every yeah. day. I've stopped all that. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's because has that has being harder on yourself ever produced anything long term? Or have you just burnt yourself out no. and like cried at night? Like what is what has happened? <laughs> you know? And 
And uh, like also, you know, I always want to acknowledge too, like we all have different levels of privilege. So a lot of times people are forced to be certain ways. They have no choices in this world or they don't have enough choices or and they, they don't have access to creativity. And like you were saying, just like this is why it's hard because you have this dialogue of, oh, I'm not a finisher and, and you've inherited that. And who yeah. knows where that's come from in the world. But we like creativity is our birthright. And I fully believe that. And I think a lot of the like, pain in this world is because people are so violently cut off from their own creativity in whatever way that might be. And it sucks because I don't feel that I have, I don't feel that I have power to like affect that to heal. You know what I mean? Because you want to be like, how do I, a person who has whatever kind of privilege impact things positively? And it really feels like I don't fucking Mm -hmm. know. I'm like, is having this conversation part of impacting that positively? Is this enough? Does this do anything? How are we like unraveling the fabric of capitalism and white supremacy? Here we are we made it to this point here here we are (laughs) doing it no um I mean I think I think that's that's so real like I think but I also think that that's part of it like feeling like you as a person can or should do that on your own yeah like that's already part of the issue I think that's like it's like another like secret part of like grind hustle culture is like what are you cat doing constantly and it's like I think it's it's community work and I think that Talking about creativity and and sharing the vulnerable aspects of that matters, you know, because I think for me, it matters listening to podcasts where people talk about that writing is hard matters because I think it's so easy to feel, you know, I'm someone that every Tuesday, you know, I love Tuesdays. I love seeing, you know, what, what things are dropping in the trad pub world. I love seeing authors celebrating their new babies, their new uh, books for everyone that doesn't pay attention. I'm not talking about actual babies. (laughs) Tuesday, Tuesday in the, in the, in the publishing world is when books come out. Um, you know, but it's, but it's hard to see, you know, all it's seemingly everyone else have a book published, um, and it's so easy to feel like, wow, it's happening for everyone but me. And I think having conversations where it's like, no, <laughs> no, um, everyone is having a hard time. Yeah. And I think for me too, like listening to podcasts where authors that I think, wow, they're so successful, they're doing so well, talk about how every book is yeah. hard. You know, that feels validating because it's like, well, no, it's it's not coming easily for everyone but me. No, it's it's not just me struggling or just yeah, like it's not happening for everyone but me. It's like it everyone feels that way until it's their Tuesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even then you're just like, oh my God, was this the right choice? What right, did I do? Right. Or or or, you know, shoot, like now what about my second book? You know, what about this next book? And so yeah, I think that having vulnerable conversations does matter. At least they've mattered to me. Yeah. And even as you're saying that, like, and as we've been talking this whole time, I've been like inner checking myself, like, oh, will people really care about this? What we're talking about? Is this really worthy of publishing? I'm literally thinking about that. And this is my podcast that I put yeah. out every single week. And I'm always wondering, oh, people are going to think I'm too earnest. People are going to think this is like blather. Not, and that's not about you. This is about me. <laughs> Don't worry. But like, that's truly, I, I have these conversations. I shouldn't, I I shouldn't post this. I shouldn't post that. And you know what, guys? Fuck it. Do it. Post yeah, it every yeah. time. Put it out there. No, absolutely. I think that like, yeah, I want I want more. This is not even a real sentence. More less polished yes. things in the world. You know, I want I want to see the behind the scenes of things. I want to see things that are messier. I want to see. 
you know, show me Sarah J. Moss on her floor covered in Cheetos at like three in the morning getting that deadline. Sarah J. Moss. Actually, don't mean show me her because she's Be everybody's seen her. Show me somebody else. No, that's fair. <laughs> I'm just saying, you I know, know exactly what I mean. Like, I want to yeah. see, I want to see the Colleen Hoovers. Yeah. I want to see the yeah. Sarah J. Mosses. I want to see the people who are out there writing a thousand books, getting all the deals. Like, show me the messy side because I know it's yeah. there. You know, I know that you're crying at night two weeks before your deadline, just like the rest of us. It's <laughs> a life, man. Um, uh, okay, let's. It's true though, and and we're all going through it. And that's the thing to think about. We are in this community together. We are going through it together. Nobody is a what's the word? What's it when you're like a single solo shining light? I don't know. Nobody's a spotlight. Everybody's in the sun. Yeah. How about that? Oh, I love that. Look at you. That could be on like a postcard. Put it or in something. a in a Hallmark card. Um, should we go through some more <laughs> of your questions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I guess. I feel like this is sort of maybe in line um, with what we've been talking about. So I wonder, do you have an author career goal or do you hate author career goals? So do you have an author career goal? If so, what is it? Or are you anti-career goals? That's a good question. I don't, I think like I have all the big aspirations every author has like, oh, my books will sell really well. They'll become movies or Netflix shows. They will be somebody's favorite book, right? Like even that, which of course, even getting messages from people, this is my favorite book. It's like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, we'll see how long that lasts because I know how that goes. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But that's okay. Even to have been in someone's life for a minute, it like that. I think that is those big goals. Yeah. But let's say like I on a more personal level, I think more importantly to me, and I've kind of had to make my peace with all of this is that I want to create things that I think are that I feel are good and that are authentic to me and that really speak to who I am as a person, but who all that also can speak to other yeah. people. And I honestly think that's more important than all the rest of the stuff. Um, and I'm sticking to that because I have always I don't know, I think a lot of writers are like this, but not everybody is like I've always had this very I have a very strong personality and that for a, a lot of women for women for a lot of people is a curse not a blessing um yeah. I've had people describe me as polarizing before which has really offended me um you know I I have a really bad relationship with my family because of me just being like not going with a flow of how everybody else thinks and believes mm-hmm. and So I think that writing is symbolic of me being who I really am. And I honestly think that everybody deserves to be who they really, everybody deserves to be liberated and be who they really are. And writing is one of the ways that I do that. So I think that's probably my biggest career goal. And I guess I can die happy even if I've only sold zero copies, if I have written a book that I truly feel like was worth the time. Wow. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) I love that. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's such a gorgeous goal though. And I think that's that's not to be, be highbrow about it though. Cause are. like obviously I want the other things no. too. You know what I'm saying? But, right. but I'm being honest. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that that's right. Like that I'm someone, I'm such trash <laughs> because I will be like not finished with a story and be like when I'm interviewed for no, the I love story, that. like you know the shower the shower conversation in your head. Constant, <laughs> love it, love it. It's such it's such trash, but but I think that you know that is 
such a great way to look at writing and creating because that's what we should want to do. That that I think, and I I don't even think just should, but I think that, you know, when you're trying to write, I think that's something that can be helpful for all of the voices in your head of like, is this a good plot? Is this an interesting plot? Is this, will this sell? And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, if you only care about writing something that feels authentic to you, then who cares, right? That's, that shouldn't even be part of the conversation. And that's up to someone else down the line to decide. Um, And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's hard when sometimes you got to pay the bills, right? You know, so it's, it's hard to not me. I married a rich man. Yes. Ugh. I mean, listen, <laughs> the the dream. That's the pr- that's real privilege. But yeah, I always I want to be honest about it with people so they understand. Yeah, that it's a privilege to be able to be like, it's okay if it doesn't sell right because well, I was myself. That's yeah. that's totally true. That's totally true, and I think that that can take so much of the weight off. I mean, I think it's such a double-edged sword though, because, you know, lots of people, that isn't the case. You know, that's not the case with, with me. Um, But I think that it's, I think it's a double-edged sword because when you're thinking about how will this sell, is this going to sell? Is this what my agent wants? Is this what editors want? Is this what's going to, you know, be on the Barnes and Noble front table? It's like, I think that's, that's also what's getting the way of those things happening because that's the voice that's going to stop you writing. That's the voice that's mm-hmm. going to, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think letting, and this is, and this is where I'm at because I've been feeling pretty stuck. Um, and I think it's, it's so easy to feel like you, um, it's, it's one of those things that's so easy to, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing of like, have your first draft be bad. You know, I'm doing, I told you I'm doing um, Jessica Brody's uh, fast drafting course. And it's like, give yourself permission to write trash. It's going to be bad. And I'm like, yes, for everyone but me. It's like, oh, it's so painful to write bad words. It's so painful to write things that that aren't that aren't good, that aren't quote unquote good and to not worry about if it's going to sell. Um, but that's the thing that stops you. You know, even if even if you have to pay the bills, I think that, you know, showing up, and worrying about all of that rather than telling an authentic story is like the first thing that's going to prevent you from writing the words. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, do you want to be palatable or do you want to be, do you want to be real? Like, what do you want? And yeah. it's actually, and, and this is also no knock on people who are like, it's my job. I write like X, Y, Z yeah. and that's what I do. And that's fine. That's just not what I'm doing right now. At least that's not where I am. Maybe yeah. I will be there. So maybe I'll just give it, I don't know. But I, I think like my yeah the the inside of me I've never been able to quiet whatever it is inside of me I think a lot of us feel that way and but the real inside you not the the thing that is telling you oh will this sell will this go on the table the real mm-hmm. thing that is nagging you at 2 a.m like get up write your story or I have to say right. this I have this feeling that needs to come out and when that is strong it's deadly to quiet it you need to be louder and so I think that like that's why it's worth fighting the the other feelings although it's yeah. painful it fucking sucks and fast drafting is the fucking worst (laughs) (laughs) well i'm still i'm still in the plotting phase so don't i don't stay there too long i know this is the thing i'm so stupid i'm so stupid oh here it is here's the voice that's the voice you're allowed to talk that way yeah i'm doing it you're totally allowed to talk that way by the way i'm not saying don't you know but it is that is the voice yeah that is that is the voice see how quick it comes out so 
basically, okay, so I had one story in my brain for a long time and I was sort of like, you know, I'm not ready to write it. I like, like genuinely, I'm not in a place to to do the story yet. I'm, I wanted to sit there. I wanted to simmer. Like what's something else I could work on that would feel good that I like know about that, you know, I, that I do feel more ready to write. Um, And so I came up with this idea, not realizing it's actually so much work. <laughs> like it's, it's not simple at all. It's, it's actually something that's going to require a lot of research. That's going to be a bitch to plot. <laughs> and now I'm sort of sitting with that being like, well, <laughs> maybe this is just you. I think that, you know, I don't think I'm someone that has sort of quote unquote low concept ideas. I I I want to just be like, you know, I want to just write a small town romance where X, Y, and Z happens in linear order and it's easy. And it's, you know, it's not easy. Like everything's hard. I think that's about writing and this is not to shame or poo-poo on that at all. I love reading that. Um, I want to write it, but my brain is just not that brain. Like it's like, what if it's like such a classic ADHD brain? It's like, what if it was small town romance, but in space and they were on Jupiter and, you know, it's 3025. That's not the story. I'm and writing. what is but the gas component of Jupiter? And could you yeah. build a fire? <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah. That's, that's my brain. And so it's, yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of at this point where it's like, do I keep plotting because it'll be easier or do I start writing? And when I want to write, when I sit down to write, I want to throw up. I <laughs> Yes, you that's know. a real feeling. Um, yeah, I I do get I get like uh I don't know writing nausea. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So um. Anyways, that's that's where I'm at with my writing. Lovely. Um. And so yeah, it's it's hard. Oh, I think you. It's hard. I think you mentioned before we were recording that you were in like a rut, kind of. You were in the space of like, what yeah. do I do now? And. I just want to say I have been there, am there right now, currently with a, I wrote 65,000 words of a story I want to tell. And then I had to get rid of 30,000 of those words. And I'll tell you what, I still don't know the male character. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Could be anyone. (laughs) And it's killing me. I'm like, why can't I just sit down? And the the answer here is sit down and just write anything. Because within that, you will find what you're looking for. Within the act of writing, you will find the writing you need. And yet I won't do it. I I think showing up and being imperfect is something that is so challenging and it's something that like I think we don't realize is so trauma informed and is so like Mm -hmm. I think you know I'm uh, a former educator my master's is in secondary education um, and I think that you know, I left for a lot of reasons, um, but I do think that just like grades themselves, like how we do school mm-hmm. messes with people. It's like, you know, everything is graded. Everything is just to be good, like doing something imperfect and messing up only to try again is not – that's not – there's not there's not traits that are rewarded. Right. Being good the first time is rewarded. And uh, yeah. And so I think just – it's there's so much, at least for me, I think of my self-worth that rides on being good the first time, uh-huh. that rides on external praise. You know, I don't I don't read any of my reviews. Um, Same. Because I – Painful. That's not a space for me. I know my own uh, – 
confidence level could not take that. <laughs> but, you know, when I have people like message me or tag me in kind things, it's like it, it does like f- sort of feed that fire. But I almost wonder if it's totally positive. You know, it's yeah. like it's like, yes, I love to hear that you liked my stories. I love to hear that they made you laugh or feel seen or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, well, what if the next thing I write doesn't do that? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Even even not hearing bad things, but wanting to hear positive things, I think can be hard. Yeah. And I think it's normal and natural and a totally real thing to like you deserve to hear good things about your work. I just want to be clear. Everybody does. You yeah. deserve validation about your work. You deserve some like and, and if you put it out there, you will get you will get it. And you deserve as much of it as you need. Right. But yeah. because you can't control that. Because you're you have no way of making any of that happen. You also it's you also have to be guided by the inner part of you yeah. that wants to create. And that's yeah. all too. I yeah. Yeah. It all sucks. It's all bad. It's all bad. <laughs> but it's yeah. Yeah. And no, you're so right about getting it right the first time with school because I was the kind of student who, if I didn't know how to do something, because I was always a kid who was like picked everything up right away. My parents were like, You were so smart. We yep. never had to teach you anything. I'm like, Yeah, that's because you were negligent. But yes, you're correct. And it's like, <laughs> but if I didn't get something, I was like, There's something wrong with me. I am a failure. There is deep shame and failure. Yep. Wouldn't turn some, I just wouldn't turn it yeah. in. I would rather not do it than do it poorly, which is sickness in the fucking brain. Okay. I, I literally, I just, some Somebody said this to me the other day. Not no, nobody said this to me. I fucking saw it on TikTok. <laughs> Where my <laughs> friends live. All my friends live on TikTok. Um, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. So fucking do it badly. Yeah. And that includes brushing your teeth at night. Because there are nights where I'm like, I did brush my teeth for like 10 seconds. And I'm like, this is all I can stand. <laughs> that is it. Yes. <laughs> that is, I think that's so real in literally everything in life. Yes. Yeah. It's like, well. You know, my brain really appreciates me going for a run after work and, you know, but I don't have a half hour and I don't really want to run and I don't really want to put on workout clothes and I don't want to wear a sports bra. And it's like power walk on the treadmill for five minutes. You know, like that's your brain likes that, you know, at more than not doing that, yep. you know. I take the pressure yeah, off of just, doing yeah, a thing absolutely. a certain way. I'm supposed to take I'm supposed to take iron pills two times a day. Taking it one time a day is better than nothing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is tough. I'm not going to lie. Taking iron pills is a lot of work. So it is. And they're the that. most disgusting they are pills awful. you could ever take. Awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, that's, that's anything that's with anything. And I think that, uh, yeah, for so many reasons, it's not the messaging we're getting. So it's, it's like showing up to write a story is, is not just writing a story. It's like, it's unpacking trauma and that's fucking hard. And that's where I'm at. So, so with my day job as well, um, you know, I'm, I'm at this point in my life where my ADHD is really impacting everything. Um, and I have a psychiatrist appointment on Monday to hopefully finally get medicated, even though I've been on on this journey forever and seen psychiatrists already and it's just a whole thing <laughs> but um, it is a journey you know, it's, it's a lot like, of work it's a journey <laughs> um and it's it's hard because yeah it's it's impacting everything and it's and I'm realizing now that it's not just it's not just the I'm getting so many emails I can't handle it and it's not the I just need to write this draft so I get it on paper it's unpacking all of the trauma. It's realizing that I have all these perfectionist tendencies and where do they come from? And I have this really negative self voice and where is that coming from? And it's like 
I just want to write a story. Sometimes I don't always want to do inner child work. And yet, <laughs> and yet here we are. And it's, and it's always all of the things. Um, and, you know, one thing I, I think, um, so my partner also is a writer and also has ADHD. And we were talking and uh, something they said was that, you know, when you're a kid that has ADHD, the narrative you hear about yourself is so frequently negative. Like, like if people are noticing you, I think there's, it's, it's hard because there's the one like gifted child syndrome, right? Of like, you're so smart. You're so great. But that's very geared towards like what you can do for me, yeah. what's your production is. And that's toxic. But then there's the also you are often annoying to people. You are often like, like the loudest voice is stop talking so much in class. Mm -hmm. Why are you losing Mm -hmm. your homework? Why are you so lazy? Why can't you ever finish things? You know, it's this loud, angry voice that becomes so deeply part of you. Um, And that's hard. And so it's like, you know, I'm here, I am like 30 years old, unpacking this narrative I started hearing myself hearing about myself like in the first grade um and it's hard to be doing all of that while just like I just want to write this fucking book so I can I just want it. these people to bone all right <laughs> That's what I came here for <laughs> yes and I want to say one more thing and we'll we'll go to the next question I, I totally agree with all that I I don't normally reference male writers especially not ones like this but Charles Bukowski did not publish his first novel till he was fucking 49 he worked as a post, yeah. uh, like a postman and he was in, like really ugly and guess what <laughs> that man women wanted to fuck him and everybody wanted to be him okay and he wouldn't go on Johnny Carson because he didn't like the elitism so like listen be yourself you know what I'm saying and don't give up. I, I was talking to a neighbor the other day who's a writer and she was like, well, I'm getting too old to expect whatever. I'm like, shut your mouth. I'm like, shut your mouth, Lindy. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you are not too old. It's not too late. Just like everybody says, your time yeah. is not past. And you can, you just have to sit with these yeah. hard feelings that no, we're talking about. Absolutely. I think that I'm so, and I almost like maybe we talked about this on another one of the episodes I was on, or maybe I'm just always talking about this. It's like, I do not, I hate, I mean, I don't hate them because I think that like as an educator, I sort of loved the like, you know, 10 kids that are making change and whatever, like you can too, whatever. But now as an adult, I'm like, give me someone who's 55 and wrote their first book or went back to school and whatever. Like I'm tired. I'm tired of prodigies. I am well (laughs) past the age I will ever be a prodigy. Like that is done. It's over. Um, Give me, give me the people that, you know, are are doing it later in the game. And I'm certainly not someone who's, you know, I think I'm someone who's, I think for a millennial is young. You know, 30, 30 you are a babies. Un bebe. Un bebe. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but I'm I'm certainly not someone at this point that's ever going to be like, wow, they were so young. Like, I can't believe they wrote that Who at that wants age. that? Like, that's fast. Yeah. Why does anyone want that? No, I'm tired of that. I'm yeah. tired of that. Um, it's not the narrative that's healthy for me to be around. No. And so I want to hear more about the people who, you know, published their first book at 49 or whatever. Yes. And you know what else? Like, I guess like to me, a pr- like a prodigy is a tragedy. They mm. they never end well. Look at most Mozart didn't end well, guys. Nothing, nothing <laughs> ended well there. Okay. I mean, all prodigies end up with the worst lives. So let's all put that I mean, story to rest. Yes, yes. I mean, this it's not wrong. You know, I think like childhood fame is a whole thing. Um it's a That's whole also thing, wrong, but, yeah. No, I I want I want longevity. I don't need, you know, my first book to, you know, rocket me to fame or, you know, I mean, sure, whatever. I I could use the money. Let's be real. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, 
But I'm so much more interested in a long, sustainable, healthy career than any sort of, yeah, any sort of, wow, how does she do it? I can't believe she got this far so quickly and all of those things. Yes. Must be just purely <laughs> genetic. Oh, boy. All right. Let's yes. do the next question. Yeah. Um. Let's see. We've talked about a lot of, of heavy stuff. Um, and so I wonder if maybe... We could sort of transition to something a little. Let's line it up. A little lighter. I don't know. That's a little tough for me. I'm a heavy kind of person. I mean, I think you can bring it back around. That. If you if you want to bring this question back around to the capitalist white supremacist patriarchy and or your first childhood trauma, you can. Listen, listen. Um, but but I want to know what book. Did you read that you were like, fuck, this is so good. I wish I wrote this. I got the answer to this. It is The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. Has anybody read this? It's a middle Whoa, grade mystery. Okay, I'm so – because I feel like your your brand is not middle grade mystery. <laughs> but, it, it, but, but it was your first book. Your first book, I assume, was a middle grade mystery. It was a mystery. Wait, it wasn't – oh, that's true. Yeah, I used to love mysteries. Yes, yeah, you're, you're following that call. Yeah, I followed – Good memory. Wait to bring it back to the beginning of the conversation. Okay, so I don't know if anybody's read The Western Game here, but it was the first book I had read that had a voice, like a real mm. fucking voice. Also, it was like it was like omnipotent POV, it, which is wild. Yeah. There's like tons of characters. I want to let me see if I can look up um, the first line of The Western Game because I believe it opens with a joke. Yes, here's the oh. first line: The sun sets in the west. Just about everyone knows that, but sunset towers face east. That's mm. the opener. Yeah. So it starts you off right away with this feeling where you're like, first of all, it's second person that's talking to you. Right. Everybody knows that. But then it then it and it makes this like you already know something's wrong, right? The sun sets in the yeah. west, sunset towers, it faces the east. I love yeah. that. I haven't read it in a while, so I really hope deeply in my heart that it was not super problematic. <laughs> and by a while, I mean I have not read it in like 30 years. But it really yeah. imprinted on me. And um, it was just so fun. And I love things that are like a little bit whimsical, fun, joyful. Oh, yeah. And that require just like a, that have like a nice little twist. I also really loved Inheritance Games. Um, I don't remember who wrote that. But that's another like, it's not middle grade. I guess it's like YA. Yeah. But it's another kind of, um, <laughs> I looked up Westing Games and it says and there's an NPR article from 2019, Smart and Snarky, the Westing Games provides lasting oh i think smart and snarky is also your brand thank you yeah sure i'll take that i always call it <laughs> i call it irreverent but cheerful that's how i say that irreverent my but is. cheerful yeah that's kind of where i, I love go. that yeah i definitely don't have i don't have like a a like a, an impetus book that's so young though i will say this is not going to be my answer um and this book is definitely problematic because I, I I found it as an adult. Um, and maybe I talked about this on this podcast before. This is this is this is the issue with doing a podcast multiple times. Is like I don't know. No, it's fine. Before. No, it's been um, so long. Anyway. I only have so many yeah. stories. <laughs> Same. I've repeated myself um, a million times. So we yes. have new listeners since um, we last were on. But so uh, the book Witch Witch. Um, I do not know who this is by. I should look it up. Um, and I do think it's actually pretty. I don't. I don't know how well it aged. I don't think perfectly well by any means. Um. But it's it was the first like rom com I ever Ooh. read, and it's basically um, a evil warlock um, uh, 
wants to find a wife. And so he gets all the most evilest witches together. But the heroine is like a good witch who really wants to be bad so that he'll love her. Um, And it's just like something I think that those types of books really imprinted on me because I also love I love books that are a little bit ridiculous, a little bit silly, a little bit magical, Um, which is funny because both of the books that I have for more recent books that I wish that I wrote are exactly that. Like, like they are the book that you would have read if you grew up reading Witch Witch. Um, and so I have um, The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches Cute. by Sangu Mandana. Love like a secret um, society. That right. Yeah, that uh, – I don't know if you've read that book, uh-uh. but it, it got really popular. It's like – it's it's just like – it's a little – it's a little sort of practical magic e mm. slash um, Mary Poppinsy kind of. I would say, you know, what did you say? Irreverent but cheerful yeah. or something? Irreverent but it's, cheerful. It's, I think it's like, that. Yeah. it's like it's like a warm hug, but there's like secret mystery, yes. whatever, um, and magic. I'm obsessed with magic. I've always been obsessed with magic and witches and anything like that. I've I've always loved. Um, so yeah, I definitely I wish that I read that book. The the book that I and it's funny. I so the other um the other book is by Sarah Hoggle Hoggle. Oh yeah, okay, okay. I I don't know. Um, but I'm kind of a obsessed with her after reading this book and I and she was I rarely dm authors being like oh my gosh I love this book so much this one I did um and so it's her um gosh what is it called oh just like magic I've never heard I, the the author it, name is yes, familiar but I don't know the title by the cover I feel like you would think it was just a you know typical sort of holiday rom-com it's bananas it's the wildest book I've ever read and it is like my exact sense of humor and I read it and I was like I hate that I didn't write this. Uh, <laughs> like, like I love it, but also I'm so jealous. I wish I wrote it. And also I need Sarah to be my absolute best friend. And I don't know how to make that happen. And I feel like she's automatically so much. Take it slow. Take it slow. Um, that's what that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll be yeah, cool. I'll be cool. cool. I'm not cool. cool with people. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she does follow me now. Um, and so I think I just need to like. Ooh, I, I love that. I don't know how to make it happen. Just like I said, um, but yeah, keep it real slow. Slow burn. Slow. Think slow burn. I'm normal. It's <laughs> fine. But so that book is about um, it's a romance between like this bitchy sort of vapid, uh, I guess, influencer maybe who's like she comes from family money and she's just like kind of a piece of trash and the actual human incarnation of the Christmas spirit. Oh my god, that's who is who is just like basic. I don't. He's just completely unhinged in the best way. Um, and it's like, it does this thing that I'm really obsessed with, um, where, you know, a lot of books sort of have their own book version of things. Like they don't have Facebook. They have like, you know, yeah. social Something. media. It's called like knows, knows yes, there, Yeah, there you go. I couldn't think of any pun yeah. at all. But yes, that. Um, but she like, she comes for like Joanna, Johanna, Johanna Gaines, and like like in the yes. book, like that, yes. like that's like that girl, like that couple is like the heroine's mortal enemy because they get in a I'm with her. I'm fucking with her and, all the way. I'm on her side. And, and the hero's favorite place on earth is Cracker Barrel. Okay. And it's just like, and it and it has, you know, all of these like references to the real world in this way that it's so ridiculous. And she just like doesn't pull punches. And it's so over the top and ridiculous. Um, and I'm really obsessed with like semi-paranormal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it does that so 
so well. Obviously, like the Christmas spirit is like not what you think of for paranormal, but but it is. And like that I'm I'm really obsessed with um this sort of new genre of like rom-com, semi-paranormal, semi-contemporary. Not that I'm, new. I feel like that's the 90s. That's all so the true. Way. I think it's this resurgence, yeah, I guess. I loved it. Like Glass Slipper from the 90s. You probably didn't see that one. Sorry. That was no, a very deep cut. But there was a lot of that. Like that definitely yeah. I felt loved. That yeah, kind of absolutely. Was, absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, so so those are those are some books that I I wish that I wrote and authors that I would love to befriend in a cool and casual I am normal way. I am totally super <laughs> a normal person. I love to hear that they that you loved them so much because I feel that finding books that really speak to yours is transformative to your own writing too. It really it gives yeah. such a, a good guiding light and yeah. I love that. And I also think, you know, like like we've talked about a little bit is like I worry, you know, is is this too weird? Yeah. Is this like is this too much of a like a high concept thing? Is this whatever? And it's like, no, people are writing weird shit. And they want to, it. To we it. want it. It's, Give us all yes. the candy. Num num num. That's what Ryan says to me. It's true. all the candy. It's num true. num num. And before you come to me with things like moderation, blah blah blah. I do not believe in moderation. Mark the date and time. It actually doesn't work. <laughs> I believe in always having more than enough and not living in scarcity. And that's what romance is. We are counter-cultural. I love it. Okay. I Let's love go to the next question. What, what would you like yeah. to talk about? I'm putting it on you. This is making my life so easy. I'm just like, I don't have to ask no, a single thing. absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, so we were talking about like, you know, things that we've read. And hmm, so I will say, okay, so one of the questions I have is, what's a romance novel you wish you could give to your younger self? And I will clarify. So I was coming up with these questions with my partner and they were like, you mean like my like 10 year old self? And I was like, no, <laughs> not, not like your childhood wound self. That's like, you know, seven years old, obviously above their reading level. Yeah. Um, but a romance novel, I would say, you know, maybe that you would give to your teen self or your like younger 20s self, yeah. the hot ass mess cat yeah. who is like a- attempting and struggling at being an adult. What, what romance novel I would, does that cat need to read? This is such a amazing. I love this question, and it feels healing. Also, I just want to put it on the record that when I was like 21, I was so hot, and that men <laughs> would do anything for me. <laughs> 21. I love that, and I, I knew it, that. and I let them, but I didn't like them very much. Um, no, I that I would give I would give myself the novels I have written now. I think that's the only <gasps> oh answer. I I mean, I love. That. I think maybe like. I think that's it. I don't know. And not yeah. because my novels are the best things ever written, but because I think who speaks to yourself yeah. better than you? Yes. You know? what, yeah. yeah. I love that so much. I feel like it's like every question I ask, I, I sort of like have an idea of like what I would answer, obviously. Um, and then you come at it with a totally different angle, but I love the angles so much. <laughs> oh, man. See, now I want to say like my novel I haven't no, written yet. No, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's it. Well, how about this? Um, what would you like to say to your future self who already finished oh, the novel you wanted to write? Enjoy it. Feel proud of it. Don't don't be just waiting on the next thing. Yes. I love that. Yeah. But yeah. and also what's your answer to this question? <laughs> um, yeah, I think the first few few romance novels I read, um, I was someone that came to romance later, so I don't have like a Whitney, my love sort of 
answer that <laughs> it's okay I mean I I you know grew up in the twilight era and that was pretty much literal trauma so I think that was worth it. Yeah. you know I I do love a twilight meme but looking back probably not what my younger self needed to um be reading and taking in um you know I needed uh maybe romance novels with some better boundaries <laughs> um but yeah I think you know um uh, so Talia Hibbert was one of my first um, romances. I think that one of the first romances that really impacted mm-hmm, me is like mm-hmm. Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Love that one. Um, let's see, like any, I think anything where the heroine and, and obviously, you know, like I don't like identify in that sort of gendered space, but I think definitely was raised in that space enough where I, I think I saw, you know, male attention as necessary and as like aspirational. And yeah, so I think totally. any any romance novel where the heroine was like, actually, I'm gonna be the one to walk away because this isn't good enough. That's what I needed to hear. Yeah. I needed I needed all the books where she walks away. Um and so you know I actually don't remember if that's <laughs> if that's the case in, in Chloe Brown, but I but I do feel like I don't remember either I I don't remember what yeah, their breakup was. I don't remember, was. but but I remember <laughs> that book itself. Like you know, she is complicated and messy and doesn't have to be different, you know, for the hero. And I think that that's a narrative that so much new romance leans into, um, and something I that has like deeply changed me as a person. Um, yeah, I needed I needed to know that I that I could walk away and that. I don't have to be, you know, anything but myself to to be deserving of love. Um, yeah. And I think romance has done that. Yeah. So I want to say something too about like, um, so my newest book, Airplane Games, which comes out April 14th. I am not ready. Bam, bam, not bam, ready bam, for bam. that, you guys. <laughs> I'm not ready. The the heroine is polarizing. People, some people have not liked this book. I almost didn't release it. Some people have not liked it. I really considered not releasing it. I considered rewriting it and I changed my mind and I'm like, fuck it. I'll take the hit. So, but what I wrote was not a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I wrote the opposite of a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but I feel that people will confuse this because a Manic Pixie Dream Girl Mm. is for the man, right? Like there to change the man, make him find happiness. But in my story, he's really there to help her along her healing journey because she does have manic pixie mm-hmm. dream girl tendencies just as I do and have mm-hmm. in my life as many people who are neurodivergent do yes, yes. um but as as you and, and like many of us know it's not uh, it's not good fun times we're not here to like change other people's lives for the better we actually need help and support and I feel like that was what I was yes. trying to do well not even trying to do in the story I feel like that's just naturally what I came about and I'm really hoping people will see that and that will speak to the right yeah. people. Yeah, really I love that see. so much. I I saw probably on TikTok or Instagram or something this this quote that's like manic pixie dream girls are just like neurodivergent women through the male gaze or something like that. And it's and it is like right. It is like this idea that it's like oh fun, quirky, like silly, whatever, whimsical. And it's like. That's not for you. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's like, no, I'm also a person that 
you know, I felt like uh, my younger self in the relationships I ended up with, that's sort of the box I got put into. But the second it was like, no, I'm actually depressed. I actually have anxiety. I actually also have needs. It wasn't interesting anymore. It wasn't fun anymore. If you weren't performing femininity in, in exactly. all the way, Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I think that I want more of that. So I'm excited. We'll see if I pulled it off. That's the other thing. Maybe I didn't, but in my own brain, I did. So that's good enough. That's where we'll stay. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Like I said, some people hated that book. Okay. Uh, Should we do another one? And then maybe let's do one more. We're coming up in an hour. So I don't want to keep you the entire afternoon. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is maybe bringing it back around to some um, deeper... I mean, you know, it's all been deep. So whatever. Just torturing um, our listeners today. <laughs> torturing them. Um, you know, if this I just hope someone has a good cry in their car from this episode. <laughs> that's all that I want. Just kidding. But also not really no, because for real. that's what I've been doing. Yeah. So all right. Um, what is your biggest writer hurdle? I.e., you know, imposter syndrome, yeah. perfectionism, paralysis. Like, what is the thing that you find yourself Having to work on time and time. Yeah, all the things you were saying before, just like sitting down being like, why would anybody want this? Like, what am I even doing? I think my biggest issue is, um, this is an ADHD thing, getting overwhelmed by the problem of a plot, which is a big complicated thing. And then being like, nah, I'm not, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to write a single word. Yes. Wow. (laughs) In my brain currently right now. It's a very physically painful feeling. It feels like ants in your fucking brain because you're like, it wants to come out, but you're, you're like, I don't know how to like methodically unpack this. I don't know how to solve problems. I never fucking learned. I didn't learn. I've never learned how to solve a problem. You guys, my parents quite literally did not care about me. Okay. You don't learn how to problem solve in an effective way when that, when you live in a family like that. So like I've had to really sit down and and had to learn that. And that's, this is from someone who has written several novels. I have completed several novels. And I will say, I think what helps is what how you overcome this. And I don't always like right now I'm in the same boat as you. I'm going through it in like a book that I'm writing, but you just believe that you can do it and you move on accordingly. So you just believe this will work itself out and you keep writing, even if it's the worst writing. And it often is the worst writing you've ever written. And it's like, nobody would want this. This is awful. Whatever it is, like you just got to go through it until you come out the other side. I am so sorry for that uh, advice. I'm so sorry to give you this news. I'm sorry. So sorry to be the person. But yeah, you have to um, you have to fail a little bit to find the answers. I think that's, but look, I'm there too. I think that like, you know, this idea that you just have to believe that it's possible that you're going to do it. I almost think like I need to start cultivating and I've thought this before. um, I need to start cultivating whatever the reverse of imposter syndrome Mm. is. Like I Mm -hmm. need to start cultivating like, hell yeah. Like this is like, I need to be writing the most trash words and being like, this is great. (laughs) The people love this. I am crushing it right now. Like I need, I need winners, winner (laughs) coses. Yes, exactly. That's what I need. That's what I need to bring to the table because I think feeling like you're a failure is like, that's what makes you not write anything at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, like I said, I I think that you really hit the nail on the head for exactly what I'm going through at this moment is just, I feel like there are a hundred thousand things I need to do to write this book. And so I don't want to start like the, the idea of like looking at it all at once makes me feel nauseous and makes me just feel like 
it's too much. And that's like so sad because you probably really have it in you that you want to do it. Like it's probably like yeah, a very I strong do. feeling. I don't know. My my roommate, I, I was talking uh, to her about this, like about this thing of right. Like I am so afraid to write bad words. And she was like, what if you wrote purposely wrote the worst scene you could ever think of? Like, like what if you just sat down and you wrote the scene you wanted to write, but just absolute trash. Well, John Green already did like, that. No. <laughs> Burn, sick burn. Okay, um, okay. What if that was your dialogue? I mean, anyway. you know, but, but really, I think you know, choosing an author that doesn't resonate with you that you don't like, and being like, well, they. I mean, but this the thing too is like there, there are, you know, I, I, I really think that there is no such thing as a good book. I think that there are books that speak to some people and books that don't speak to other people, and that's it, right? And so I think that you know, this idea that. Your writing is the most trash because because I think for all of us, there is a popular book we can read that other people love and you're like, this is horrible. This is so bad. Why do people love this? And I think for everyone, it's a different book, but for everyone, that book exists and or five of them. And it's like, well, people love that book. And so I could be reading what I write and thinking like, oh my God, this is such trash. Why? 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 No one will like it. No one will read it. And I bet you, I guarantee you someone will Absolutely. Love it. Someone will. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, sometimes things will resonate with people a lot because you just happen to meet them with your writing at a certain time in their life. And sometimes it won't yeah. resonate for that very same reason. And sometimes that will be yep. from that same person will feel both those things about your writing. So it's like, look, again, this is not a game to win. This is this is like given all the options in life where no matter what you do in the end, you're going to die anyway. Do the thing that's real. OK, do the thing that's real. <laughs> I need to relax. Here, I need to fucking relax. I need to take it down a notch i can't go <laughs> no i can't lean into it that's your whole thing it's a lot it's a lean lot. in i think you really need to i think you really need to to write some like real ass greeting cards <laughs> never that's your that's your next that's your next book it's not actually a book it's just like it's just like inspirational but not inspirational but like real yeah Greeting cards and or like quote, quote books. In the inevitability that all old men will grow old and die, the slate is still not wiped clean. Apologize to your kids. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I Send that, that one out to your folks, to your boomer parents. All right. Yes. I would do the rest of these questions, but I know that this is a long episode and that you have been chilling with me for a long time. So Ellie May, would you like to leave us? What would you like to leave our listeners with before we close up? Oh my god! Wow, that's that's a that's a, that's a tough uh, it's a tough question. Support support yes. me financially. Um, follow me on Instagram at bisexual underscore book nerd. Um, but also write your book, write your story, write bad shit. Do be cringe. Post too much. Say too much. Um. Go to therapy if you can afford <laughs> yeah. it. If you can't, at least angry journal once in a while. Um, tell them where they can find your book and so have I have two novellas out on Amazon on Ku. Um, the Witch's Wolves, which is um the plot I came up to myself is werewolves double penetration. So if that sounds cool to you, go ahead and read it. <laughs> and, <laughs> if it doesn't, that's fair to each their own. Um, and then I have the Naughty List which is a Christmas novella with the actual Santa as the hero. Um, and 
that's that's the only place you can find me right now. Um, and I used to have a Patreon, pulled that baby because I could not handle the stress. But one day those short stories will make their way back into the world. Um, and then maybe one day I'll have a full-ass novella um, or novel, yeah. excuse me, a full-ass novel. My author career goal, I forgot to say, is to see my... Yeah, it's to see my book in an airport. Yes. So maybe one day, five years from now, you'll see my book in an airport. Please take a picture of it and tag me. But for now, just follow me on Instagram um, where I say too much too often. Mark the time and place. We'll, we'll come back to this later. Um, yes. So thank you so much, Ellie. Um, it has been a pleasure. And you can find me. I'm Kat at Catwin Author on most platforms. You can also find, uh, I don't remember what I was going to say. You can also find my books, Partner Track where books are sold. That's by Catwin. Make sure you find that one if you like books about horny lawyers and who doesn't. And also I have a new release coming out called Airplane Games. Um, this is my first indie release. I've never self-published before. This is my first <gasps> time. I am really excited and scared. So look for that soon. And if in the meantime, you need more things to read, you can read my two holiday novellas, Hotel Games and Holiday Games out on KU. Also, I don't really count those because I wrote them in like very short period of time. That was a real rushed thing that happened. Um, but I love the stories and they are tied into the series it's a game series so um read it before the third book comes out and if you like us and you like this podcast you can find us at tall dark and fictional that's tall dark fictional on instagram and tdf pod on twitter and tiktok and that's it from me ellie is that it for you yes her her <laughs> headphone just fell right out of her ear just like like a we warning started from- this um <laughs> we started this recording with the um explaining that i have really big ear holes um and these headphones don't stay in them so anyways a great place to end um i have nothing else to say um but thank but thank Thank you you. for thinking of me for chatting with me it's been lovely yes and to the listener as always thanks for coming and we're gonna stop Do it, I'm dead. Play the shit and listen to what I